on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Google's new multi-search will lens a hand on image search. All the signal ladies, put your hands up. <laughs> Google is finally giving us a bit more clarity on audience signals. And I can't beat that, but Facebook ads were absolutely bugging out earlier this week, and honestly, they should have made a bigger deal out of it. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock, just stay tuned. Digital marketing news, but let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO and analytics, social media and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. With new shows every Friday. We give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernhel. AKA Shop. I'm Jess Bud. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially marketing o'clock. Here on April 15th, 2022. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Greg, do you have anything to share? I do okay i'm worried <laughs> you should be it sounds bad i am spiraling out of control due to a show that i started watching and i am completely obsessed with on netflix called i think you should leave it has begun to ruin my life <laughs> all i do when i hear any cues from the show is i repeat them and it's there's like if you think about like layers when you're edit- editing something i have a layer that's always on, that's I think you should leave in my head. And if anybody at any point says something about tables, <laughs> about steaks, about worms or bones, and God forbid that somebody wears a very particular pattern in my presence, it, I don't know what to do. It's like I've become this show. And Jess, you know what I'm talking about. You are. Tra- I was just saying this before we turned the mics on that I can feel... I don't. Even, you wouldn't even call him a main character, like a host, the guy that does the skits. I could feel him Tim, coming Tim out in Robinson. you. Sure, it, basically Greg Finn at this point. I could just feel you're like emanating him. It's amazing. I don't know what's wrong with me. I love it. Like, I, I. That's what I think about everything now. I'm obsessed with that's this like show. me in the Princess Diaries. Okay, well I don't feel that bad now. Very relatable. I'm you happy that you mine. found like your community. <laughs> I don't think there's it's just me and my thoughts <laughs> and the table. <laughs> he just did it. He just did it. That's the voice. That's not even a skit. He just did the voice. Okay, I've seen a couple episodes, but I'll have to go back and I, I don't get it's like it. so animated. Yeah, and he's like, "What are we even doing here? <laughs> Why are you even thinking this way? It's not even your thought." That was really good. That was really good. Fans out there should check out the show if you're up for a good time. <laughs> we'll check it out. It'll be our homework. Well, I had a fun weekend. I went on a little road trip with my family to Baltimore. And for some reason, I decided to look up what the rat situation was like in town. Um, because, you know, like, I'm just a little crazy about it. You should ask Jess. Yeah, I could have told last you. Week. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's number six. In the United States. That's pretty low. Washington, D.C. is number four. Like, I don't know what's going on over there. But so I was hanging out with friends from D.C. and Baltimore, and they were all telling me about how bad the rats were. They chewed through their car wires. Like, the situation is most grim. And I was just on (laughs) pins and needles the whole time. I couldn't even enjoy myself. We literally pulled into the parking lot. We, like, drove through the night so the baby could sleep in the car. So we got there at 1 a.m. I opened the door, and I hear, like, like the rats are fighting 
I love this. Did you watch? No, I like slammed <laughs> the door shut, locked it, and got in the fetal position. Because the rats can probably unlock the door. But then the next day is when I found out that they can chew through your car wires, so it's not safe in there either. I could have told you that in cinder blocks. Their teeth don't stop growing, Shep. Oh, my God. I'm just like lucky that Buffalo is not on the list of top 20 because I don't see them too often here. It was terrible. I couldn't enjoy myself. I'm so sorry. Jess, do you have anything good going on? Yeah, I have a rat in my life too. My child. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's been a little sick and we were getting out of the car the other day and there was a booger on his face and I'm a good mom, so I got it off his face, but then I couldn't get it off my finger <laughs> and I didn't want to put it on my pants, so I just wiped <laughs> it on my car. <laughs> <laughs> Did it dry and I, Well, I think nothing of it. I'm like, he didn't see that. So then I get him out of the car and a lady's jogging by and my son just yells, Hi! And then I'm like, she doesn't really know what this means, but I just felt all sorts of shame that I was just like gonna let go. So yeah, different kind of rat. Everybody's got boogers. I think that was a pretty creative solution. Thank you. It's not that big of a problem. Is that I think you should leave? No, it's a snot joke. Oh. Oh, it's snot. (laughs) I'm like, why? It's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) We got to wake up here. Yeah. And if you guys are looking for more content, there is a new episode of Agency Scoop with our CGO here at Cypress North, Jill Fetcher. You can find it wherever you're listening to this episode. She is sitting down with Trisha Barrett this month from Crowley, Webb, and Praxis. And they're talking about how Crowley, Webb differentiates themselves, how they survive the pandemic, how they give back, what she's learned, challenges they face. It's a really awesome episode. So everyone should check it out. And not even how they survived the pandemic, how they stopped it. How they oh, helped that was so nice to them. stop it. <laughs> And you'll find out how when you listen to Agency Scoop this week. And as we're doing each week here, highlighting a way to help the Ukraine and honestly, the Journal of Search Engines, aka the Search Engine Journal, has put together a great post about how tech companies are rallying to help the Ukraine. It will be over in our show notes and in Discord if you'd like. But they go through and talk about a lot of different folks how to do that. And they also talk about eight stories of hope from the SEO community. So check those out. Thank you, Search Engine Journal. And on to the main news this week. We have some big news from Google about a new type of search called multi-search. And it's not as big of a a change. It's just, I would say, a layer added on to Google's Lens feature. So they say it helps you go beyond the search box and ask questions about what you see. But that doesn't mean much, right? Really what you do is you take a picture of something using Google Lens. Google Lens is fantastic. If you've not tried it and you're looking to identify something, a leaf, anything out in the real world, I was doing it on my plant and it's like, oh yeah, that's a a bamboo plant. Got it right. But like, why do you care? (laughs) I think it's very interesting. Like if you feel some tree that you like or a shrub or something, you might say, I want to know what this is. You might. (laughs) I literally used Google Lens yesterday because I was lazy and I wanted to get the skew number on my microwave and I didn't want to type it all in. So I took a picture of it, you hit Google Lens, and then you can select the text that's in the picture and I don't have to type anything in. That's a nice feature. That is nice. But what you can do is you can say, I like those shoes. I don't know where they're from or, you know, something like that on TV. Maybe TV is not a good example. It might get pixelated. But you can put that in, and they have a great example. I believe it's like a yellow. I don't know what they're called. They're the shoes that wrap around like like Aphrodite shoes or something. Gladiator. Gladiator shoes. And <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> is that a thing, right? Isn't that like a yeah, goddess of yeah. something? 
Aphrodite? No. Yeah. Well, Aphrodite is, yeah. But what gladiator is she shoes are... Probably Beauty? love, aren't they all? Yeah. Beauty, same thing. I feel like she would wear her <laughs> shoes. But anyway, there were like a, a pair of like those uh, gladiator shoes that were uh, goldenrod color. What and other color would they be? I think that's... Um, gold? Gold. Maybe gold? Brown? <laughs> Bronze. And so you could take a picture of it and you could see other examples. But now you can add additional search context on top of it. So the example they gave was the fact that you got these shoes into Google Lens and you saw some of the examples and then somebody said flats. So you wanted to see what it looked like without the heels Ooh. and if you could find something similar to what you saw in the wild, but do a little modification on it, which is really cool. And I was doing that with with the uh, the plant that I had in the office. It was like, all right, indoor, outdoor, and try to do stuff like that. So you could see things like that. It's a very, very, very nice feature. I am completely here for it. And Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land got a bunch more information. People are wondering how this worked. Is it Bert? Is it mom? Blah, blah, blah. Um, well, sorry to all the British moms out there. <laughs> Could Barry ask Google if Google Multi Search currently uses mom? And Google said no. So oh. this is not a mom based thing, but it is actually very cool. And if you ever see something out there in the wild, you should definitely give this a shot and then put a little more context in it. Cool. And we are also getting a little more clarity this week as to what the heck audience signals are in Performance Max campaigns. We've been going back and forth about this really since Performance Max campaigns were incepted, trying to figure out what they are. And Greg Finn is the man on the case this week for Search Engine Land. That old bag of bones. Yeah. You have <laughs> someone from Google. Phones are the money. Okay. <laughs> so are the worms. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure our audience is I'm loving ruined. this private joke. <laughs> it's a... It's, that's going to have to be like required viewing for anyone who wants to listen to the show now because they're not going to be able to understand. I'm actually broken. That's probably okay. your song of the week. The bones are the money. So, so are the worms. worms. <laughs> what is happening? Okay. okay, so someone from Google is sitting down with Greg to talk about what audience signals are and try to make Emailing. a little bit more sense of it. I emailed Google. <laughs> didn't sit down. I thought it was like a one-on-one -on -one interview and like the person from Google is like, you know, um, what do they call it? Anonymous. Like they're a shadow figure. Yeah, like the deep, deep voice. Yeah. yeah, like, um, you know, their voice is all low. I thought that would, that was what it was. Like witness no? protection? Yeah. yeah. It was just an email. Yeah, it's just an email. That's a lot less exciting. To a Google spokesperson. Okay. <laughs> Well, they didn't want to identify themselves, it seemed like, so I was just using my context clues. Okay. So, basically, the gist of what we knew before this article was a tweet from Ginny in response to Mike Ryan last week from her at AdsLazon account. She said, signals are used to jumpstart only. They don't limit ads to those audiences. Aim is to find the most conversion and conver conversion value. Add assets for high-value audiences. They can be for multiple specific segments. Use audience insights to see top segments to inform assets and landing pages. So, and remember, these are not like the targeting that we're used to in Google Ads. It's not like you choose between targeting and, opt and observation and then have optimized targeting. And beyond that, they make no promises to staying within these audience signals. They can go above and beyond them. They can target whoever they want. So... 
The Google rep said to Greg, including audience signals early in the campaign lifecycle can be useful to help jumpstart performance, but they will also continue to inform our systems over the campaign's lifecycle, especially as first party data in particular is updated. So it's not like these are going to be not in use anymore after the learning phase, which was a little rant you were on last week, right, mm-hmm. Greg? It's not like they should be removed after it launches. I mean, Jenny's they're still not, used. Jenny said jumpstart only, and it's it's really hard, honestly. I would imagine to be a spokesperson for Google as Jenny's doing, and it's just a, l- a little conflicting to what that jumpstart only is. So it doesn't make sense why you would use it once and then just never use it again. Um, but yeah, it's going to be used throughout the life cycle of the campaign. So. That little makes, clarity there. It makes yeah, way yeah. more sense to me to say like, oh, this is going to be used throughout the entire time. It's not just going to be used one and done. And that was the thought. It's like, hey, you put these things through. What happens down the road? What happens if you change them, essentially? So it was really nice. It was great answers. Good to have them clarify a bunch of the questions that everybody has. Okay. So another question was about if we should break out PMAX campaigns by audience signal. Should we be breaking out campaign-wise? Should we be doing it by asset group? How should we handle that? And they said advertisers should create one campaign if they're using the same targeting and assets. You can associate audiences with assets and asset groups, and you can create multiple such groups in a campaign. And that this will help consolidate learnings and give machine learning more data to work with. So I feel like it's still like, there's no science to this. Like just add what you think is gonna work and test different things. And another thing I thought that was really helpful from this rep was that if you change that signal midway through a campaign's performance, all the previous learnings are still intact, right? So like, it's not a complete reset. Don't think that. If something isn't performing and you think it might have, like the signal is bad and there's no performance, it might help, honestly, to put a new signal in there, but it's not a reset. So maybe put that new signal in there, see if the previous learnings with the new signal helps. But if it doesn't, just start over fresh and don't think that it's going it's it's going to be the same results because you're using the same signal. It's got this legacy data in there. Yep, and um, they also said that you don't have to worry about adding too many audience signals that it's only going to help the machine learning. We weren't really clear on that either. And then, you know, so I think we need to add this to all those tweets were bookmarking to try to under, understand audience signals because it's very fuzzy and this is helpful. Thanks, Greg. Something that's not fuzzy is where that skit comes from about the bones or the money. <laughs> it's from, um, it's from. I think you should leave season one and the name of the episode is I'm wearing one of their belts right now. It is the third skit. You got to get through the first two skits. The third one is it. It's the song. So it will be very clear when you if get there. If you don't laugh at this, <laughs> you, a, it will it will hurt my soul. Don't do that to Greg. People, <laughs> watch this and laugh. All right. Something you may not be laughing at if you've looked at your Facebook ads account in the last 24 hours, things may have looked a little funny. This is also well, hot like off 48 the press now, right? Well, yeah, this we're recording on Wednesday, <laughs> okay. people. So FYI. So Hot off the press from that Greg Finn fella for search engine land. Many advertisers woke up this morning upon opening their Meta for Business accounts, found that ads were turned off late last night. Adding to injury, in many cases, the ads turned off were some of the best performing assets. Oh, my God. Have you ever been so delighted? 
in your life. And so I, I think David Herman made a good point as well that the ads were turned off in many accounts. And it seems like it was a worldwide issue. People across the globe were commenting on this. But that doesn't mean that ads were not serving, to be fair. So that's a problem, right? Mm. Like your, your best performing, and I, a lot of people on Twitter were saying their best performing ads were turned off. I think social Savannah, lover or hater, her ads got turned off for the best performing ones. And I think some of the sentiment out there is that you didn't technically have an outage. We accidentally just turned off your best performing ads. How is that going to look like on refunds? Because there was not an outage. There's no spend. Well, there was spend, but not in your best performing ads. We still serve the ads in your account. You just had multiple ads in the account. That could be something we'll have to see shake out and report back next week. Yeah, because what could you refund? It's not like they spent erroneously. They just... Correct. But if somebody's testing a, a variety of ads and the best performer was turned off without them knowing and they had like a champ their champion ad was turned off and they're trying to beat that champion ad with an underperforming ad that still served okay so as of 3 37 p.m eastern wednesday yeah on wednesday eastern time this is the official statement from facebook for business Recovering from disruptions, ads, delivery. April 13th, 2022, 3.37 p.m. Eastern. We are recovering from an earlier outage that caused disruptions in ad delivery and services are in the process of being restored. We apologize for any inconvenience that this may have caused. End quote. The good marketers have turned their ads back on, so I don't yeah, know. Say turn your ads might have been turned off, turn them back on. That was so not clear. Where is the guidance other than just whoops, we're fixing it? Garbage. 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 Nobody had any guidance out there? Greg Finn had guidance. Okay, let's get back to my notes. <laughs> so thank you for doing the Lord's work. Again, hopefully by the time everyone's listening to this, this won't be helpful. They've already read it because they follow Greg. This is a tweet from at Rocklandic Ladnick on Twitter. For those of you who will wake up and see your ads turned off by Facebook overnight, exploding head emoji, the easier way to figure out which ones to turn back on is filter by ad delivery, set it to off, and after that, select yesterday or this week to see which ads were turned off but had delivery. That is really helpful, especially mm -hmm. for folks with really, really large accounts that, again, you're probably monitoring, but at the ad level, that's a lot to keep track of. So this is a really, really handy trick. We used it internally. That's how I found my one ad that got turned off. One ad in an account, like very easy to miss. Was it a trick. good performing ad? It was an average performing oh, ad. Okay. I know. Wasn't the worst, wasn't the best, but like I would have turned it off myself if I wanted it off, is the point. He Thanks also for nothing, said, Facebook. grab some extra coffee in his original tweet. Rock, rock did. Oh, yeah. Good point. Those emojis. I thought those were like the beef flavored ramen, but it's a coffee cup. Well, if you're yeah. Greg Finn, you leave your beef ramen lying around for hours that's with true. no water oh, in it. Oh, that's true. I had a meeting. Long day. Long day. <laughs> it's been a Noodles day. and powder on yeah. the counter. It was so sad. <laughs> I legit started the day with three espressos. That's, wow. That's so this is really so resonating. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for everything, Greg, and thanks for nothing, Facebook. Yeah. And we have more meta, I say meta, ads news. 
Um, they are expanding the test of overlay ads in Facebook Reels. So Jess reported on this a few weeks ago, but people are actually starting to see their placement in the accounts. And there's an article about it. People? And, yeah. And I have some more thoughts. Who was it? Wait. Oh, it was PVC Greg. How, <laughs> How dare I? How dare you besmirch the good name of Greg's and PPC everywhere? Well, because he has advice with his tweets. So I wanted to save it for the end. Okay. Real Greg of him. <laughs> so... <laughs> Overlay ads are placed directly on top of a Facebook reel, which by the way, I didn't even know we were calling these Facebook reels. I thought they were like Instagram reels sneaking in Facebook. So these are Not only anymore. running on Facebook apparently. Um, and then they can be in a banner or a sticker format. So these transparently go over your reels content, meaning that people can view the ad without interrupt interrupting the reels content they're consuming. If an overlay ad is included in your reel, you'll earn a portion of the advertising revenue. But the part of this that I didn't really think about when Jess was reporting on it, it's not like the advertiser is picking a reel to advertise on or the creator is saying, I want to be aligned with this brand. It's like, it's an ad placement yeah. that Facebook meta just does. That info wasn't really part of the original yeah. story because I remember being excited about this and now I'm just like, oh. I feel really weird about it. Banner ads appears a, a semi-transparent overlay at the bottom of a Facebook reel. Sticker ads are a static image that can be placed by a creator anywhere within the reel. So if you want the sticker ad, you look like you're adding any sticker. If this is available to you, an ad sticker will be available. But again, you will not be able to see what the ad is. I'm assuming the ad is going to be different depending on the person viewing the ad. It's not like even when your ad is running, you'll be able to see when it is. Um, and if you want to watch on YouTube or check our newsletter, we'll have the image with both of the options showing there. But it's like transparent. This. Yeah, like it's not obtrusive, but it looks like it's part of your ad and you're in a partnership with them to me and you're not. Um, so if you're currently eligible to monetize your videos with in-stream ads for on-demand on Facebook, then you'll be eligible to monetize your reels with overlay ads. We're first expanding our overlay ad test to creators in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And by mid-March, these tests will expand to creators in nearly all countries where in-stream ads are available. This is the important part. If you're part of the in existing in-stream ads program for Facebook video, you're automatically opted into banner ads and reels by default. And if you're using automatic placements or whatever they're calling them these days, <laughs> this is one of the automatic placements. That's what PPC Greg found. So... People are going to need to be really careful and make sure that if they're worried about brand safety and what their ads are aligning with, that was the tip from PPC Greg, that they aren't using these. Because I think it sounds really scary. Like if I was just a person on Instagram and didn't know anything about advertising, I would assume that the creator and the brand had a partnership. And that's not necessarily the case. Especially mm -hmm. because in the example, it's Jasper's advertising and they're on like food ads. I don't even think Facebook is going to look to see what the content of the story is to like line it up like that. Like this, this looks like the apples are from Jasper's market. Yeah. I yeah. think I think I have a high click through rate on it, but really low conversion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like it's not what somebody's using in this example. Like, I don't know about these. I'm with you. And That's they're rough. not clear about the breakdown of what the creator is going to get from ad revenue. I'm just very interested to learn more about this as it rolls out, but I'm a little scared. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. All right. 
before I give this week's take of the week, a disclaimer. I am part of this, but I had no idea that this was actually the case, okay? This is this week's take of the week. SMX, which I help program, has the SMX Advanced Show coming up, which I am going to be helping to moderate and all that as well. June 14th and 15th. It's my half birthday. Half birthday. I believe you will be there as well. Yeah. And SMX Advanced this year, free. (laughs) It is the flagship show, SMX. And they zigged while everybody else is zagging. You can get to SMX Advanced, a two-day event. And I know the PPC side of things is going to be great for free. So it's really cool to see this in the space. Zero charge. Obviously, there's going to be sponsors, I'd imagine, throughout the... I'm not privy to that stuff. But very, very cool. Everybody should go sign up now for SMX Advanced. You have to put some information in, like who you are, what your position is. But it is free, and you will see... Some really, really great speakers and some, you know, subpar moderators along the way. (laughs) Can you give yourself some more credit? No, I can't. We have, yeah. To be fair, I'm actually a good moderator. I actually grill people on stuff. So it'll be good. Trust me. So in case you missed it, the take is a free flagship show. I just have not seen this in the space in a long time. I've seen webinars and stuff, but this is a take. So hopefully you sign up, you pause where you're at now, and go sign up for SMX. Really, it's a give. That's very true. Give of the week. (laughs) SMX. (laughs) Love that, Shep. Nice. Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. ICYMI, people. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. Okay, I see why my people from PPC Greg at PPC Greg on Twitter, he says, never understood why Google categorized less than 10% impression share with the, um, you know, Miss Pac-Man eating 10%. That's what I call less it. Less than? That's how sign. I remember less than and greater than because it's like less, the greater eats the less. Is yeah. that how you remember it? For sure. I just know less than and greater than. Oh, wow. Oh. Lottie You must be an SMX moderator. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you must be a panelist. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were being coy about it. Okay. Less than 10% label when the numbers needed to calculate it are available. Well, joke's on you, Google Ads, because PPC Greg made a custom column, (laughs) and he can see the impression share right there in his custom column. So this is a great idea, and I will be adding it to my reports. Thanks, PPC Greg. Now it's time for this week's... Pew, pew! Lightning round! At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, Glenn Gabe is helping us with another ICYMI here because Nextdoor launched an updated ads platform to help small businesses connect with local communities. And PPC Greg chimed in and said that his company, whoever they are, stopped using Nextdoor because the ads platform was so difficult to use and he's excited to get back in and try it again. So if you haven't been able to use Nextdoor in the past, give it another try. 
Next up, Google Ads will now allow you to review performance across accounts with manager accounts dashboards. These look pretty cool. There's some great charts in there. Anything from the like cross account level just gives me a heart attack every time. If your agency side, oh, yes, because yeah. I especially I once again was traveling, took a couple of days off, and I'm using the Google Ads app and. I really, I know, Greg, you like it, but there's something in my brain that just doesn't mesh with it, and I'm never where I want to be, like, in the campaign or account I want to be in. So I'll, like, think I'm in a certain account, and then all of a sudden I'm jump back to our manager view, and it says I've spent a million dollars today. <laughs> and I just want to throw up. Yeah. I spent a million dollars today and still aren't a premier partner. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so, I wonder how that happens. <laughs> Maybe so, you have set up a podcast. <laughs> Maybe if you're one company with different accounts for countries or something, this would be a nice thing to view. I hate it for agencies, and mm-hmm. it scares me. It's it's really actually good for anything that's in the local space, or if you're a franchisee, you can see spending across the board, especially if those spends come from your budget and not the franchisor budget, oh. franchisee budget. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you could, like, in that case, it makes total sense to see across everything, this is how much we've spent. Yeah, great charts. Okay, Tales from PPC Reddit. E2Blade said their PMAX campaign was doing really well. Quote, we spend about $28,000 a month on a single campaign with a $420,000 a month in monthly revenue. We saw a ridiculous return on our first month. But as of this week, the campaign has started to overspend for almost a week straight. Nearing day four of our downturn, our ROAS started to drop dramatically. Today, I decided to turn it off. I'm not sure what they're doing over there at Google, but our campaign spent out in one hour at 12 a.m. So that's like $1,000 in an hour. I'm scared, people. Check on your PMAX. It's not okay. And from Andrea Cruz, she is letting us know that LinkedIn ads changed their layout and language regarding placements and the audience network. She says, in my opinion, it is a bit easier to notice the option to turn off the audience network versus before. She's always noticing like the most minute details that Jess Bud would just never see with her vision issues. <laughs> Love you, here. Andrea. Thanks, Andrea. Oh, and we have a tweet here from Mark. Saltarelli at Marketing by Mark. Ever heard of him? He is letting us know about a splendid surprise for B2B <laughs> advertisers. <laughs> you can now manage your software advice bids from within the Captera vendor portal. He says, looking forward to seeing more self-serve features for software advice. So anytime two things are combined like that for lead gen things, I feel like that looks like a good thing and software advice. Maybe if you hadn't tested it out before, you can now. So awesome. And next up, Barry Schwartz, ICYMI, cease and desist, Barry. Seasonality adjustments are now rolling out to Microsoft advertising advertisers. So this is something that they announced a few months ago, but it's now something that you can use in your account if it's rolled out to you already. So you can add a name for your seasonality seasonality adjustment, a description, and then you add a start and end time based on whatever season you're trying to do. You can decide whether it's going to apply to search and shopping or both, what devices you're going to apply it to. I love this feature. Thanks, Barry. And from Chris Ridley, he took some time off from his honeymoon, I guess. It's a short one. (laughs) He looks very dapper in his new Twitter profile. 
He says, I don't know if this is new, but I just spotted the ad customizer attributes column at the campaign level within Google Ads. And I'm curious to know if anyone is using it and whether they are finding it useful. And he has a screenshot of where you can find it if you want to check out our show notes or Discord, community.marketingoclock.com. Dario Zanoni at Dario Zanoni replied and said, I have tried applying these columns to an account where ad customizers for RSAs are set at the keyword level. The results show customizers set for each keyword and approval status. It is even possible to edit the customizers directly. And he didn't know this was possible. So he, so he says, thanks, Chris Ridley. And I thank you too, Chris Ridley. And I just hate the culture of, there's so many good things about PPC chat, but we're always a little shy about the, is this new? So I think instead of saying, not sure if this is new, which I'm guilty of it too. You're shy because you don't want to be reporting something that's already out there. We need to start saying, I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but. Oh. Can we do snaps? Just spotted the new ad customizer attributes column. Because it might not be new, Chris Ridley, but Dario Zanoni needed to hear it. Yeah. The other thing that really stinks is when you say, hey, I just spotted this. And they're like, oh, uh, I remember when I spotted yeah. this a oh, week God. ago. Yeah. It's like, no, like, sorry. I'm sorry. We don't need that kind of energy in this room. I don't know who needs to hear this. That's going to be my new approach. That's good. I like that. I love that. I love it. That should be a shirt. (laughs) But I love it. Both. (laughs) (laughs) And in other paid news here, according to the IAB, U.S. search ad revenue grew 33% to $78 billion last year. Hmm, that smart bidding isn't really that smart, huh? Spending in an hour. Weird. Wouldn't it go down instead of go up? Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. It says growth of search wasn't as strong as other formats, such oh. as digital video. <laughs> no, but that could still be smart bidding, which was up 50% year over year. Or they're growing because people are getting frustrated with yeah. search and trying other things. Or it's in your Pmax campaign running rampant mm-hmm. with the Windows 98 video. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Chris Ridley made me go on LinkedIn this week, and I'm kind of annoyed about it, but it was a pretty good post, so I forgive him. And, you know, 200, what is it, 240 characters? 280. 280 characters wouldn't do it justice. Why did I turn to you? (laughs) Yeah. Never turn to me. Why would you turn to the social person? (laughs) (laughs) 280 characters wouldn't have done it justice, so I forgive him. So he says, recently LinkedIn and Twitter have been inundated with people talking about how Google Ads quality score isn't a factor within the real-time bidding auctions and that marketers should stop using it as a measurement of their ad quality. And I have to disagree, dot, 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 for the most part. Yes, quality score is not an input in the ad action. However, there are three metrics that make up quality score. Expected CTR, ad relevance, and landing page experience. And they are three inputs in the ad auction. So this is a really great post. It's longer. He gets into more of why he only disagrees for the most part. Everyone should check it out and follow Chris on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, that's it for paid. What's happening in organic? All right, first off, we're going over to Ludwig, who is signed up as a YouTube-sponsored gamer. And we misidentified a few weeks back. Somebody had commented on our YouTube page, I am sorry, Ludwig, and to our commenter, I'm just not that that familiar. I'm not a big gamer guy. Um, these two are the gamers in the studio here. Or the friends. Ludwig had Susan Jackie, the CEO of YouTube, on his show for a full hour. There was a lot that they covered. 
one of the things was dislikes and Susan talked about how you, those dislikes, in case you forgot, this is one of my favorite things. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this might be my first I need to and make next sure we wrote this down. tattoo about <laughs> how they couldn't stop dislike attacks with their machine learning and artificial intelligence. How are you going to tattoo that? I don't know, but I feel like <laughs> that is something we at least need a celebration in the office and on the podcast on the anniversary every year that they remove the dislike <laughs> because they couldn't stop dislike attacks. And these are the people that are supposed to be stopping click fraud. Um, anyway, Susan said that it was still good for smaller YouTubers because that didn't hurt their feelings. Essentially. I put, I, I kind of, you know, put those words in there, but it's, it, it did not dissuade smaller YouTubers, but again, whatever. Um, and I thought Ludwig had a good comeback to that to say, like, what if you put a toggle on where if you were a creator and you wanted dislikes to show that something was really good, that you could toggle those on or off. And Susan basically came back and said, well, we want to have the experience be the same for everybody. And I thought about this with my kids. My kids are now, they only watch YouTube. That's it. They've moved on from all the other stuff out there. And they watch this one channel. It's really, really, really good. It's an engineering channel. We're making like Mentos rockets and stuff. Mentos and Coke rockets this weekend. But it's, his name is Mark Rober. He's so good. So good. And so we were watching something yesterday. And he goes, well, somebody put this video up about how you can make your phone turn into a drone. And if you look at the like to dislike ratio, most people liked it, which means they didn't know this was a scam. And it was a scam. And it's like, he that, said that in the video? In the video. I'll link to it. And I'm like, I know that this, like, I don't use YouTube for how-to anymore. I can't. I look mm. at this one thing and I'm like, I don't know if this person knows what they're doing at all. I don't. And it's like, that is a huge signal. And I understand you had to move on from stars. And I understand that these people can still see the dislike counts in their YouTube channel. And, like, that's still there. It's just not to the public. So, anyway... She said, well, we want the experience to be the same, so we can't do that. Well, and zigging to the zag, she talked about the NFTs on YouTube. And it made sense to me in a way. I don't know if they're going to execute in a way that makes sense, but she talked about David Goes to the Dentist and Charlie Bit My Finger and how they tried to monetize these as creators. And I think Charlie Bit My Finger took his video, took their video, I don't know who shot that, off, the, off of YouTube. But she said, like, Creators can then, that have created this content and uploaded this and own it, can take that and monetize it from, because it's hard to say like, oh, somebody bought the David Goes to the Dentist video and you put on OpenSea as an NFT and what's real and people could just take that video. But if it's a YouTube video that started it and you can somehow attribute it back to YouTube that has all the likes, that makes some kind of sense to me. I don't know how you're going to do it. So Nothing NFTs. with NFTs yeah. makes sense. So. No, but if you're like, hey, I want to sell the rights or I want to sell this part of the video. Like you could say, hey, JustBud owned, you know, like owned by JustBud or something like that. So then would JustBud make money off the YouTube ads? She didn't get into that much about it. But, but the thing is like people are taking these YouTube videos and trying to monetize them off of YouTube. And I get the fact that you want to, monetize them on YouTube because that's where they got famous. I still don't know how it's all going to work, but I didn't think about that aspect of it before. It's like you just download the video, put it in OpenSea, anybody can do that. 
But if you were on YouTube looking at David goes to the dentist with 200 million views and you can see this NFT is owned here, it's for sale and you could buy that, that makes more sense than saying, I saw this YouTube video, I need to go to a third party site and try to buy this. NFTs don't make sense to me, but that makes sense. You buy it at the place that got famous. So yeah. for whatever it's worth, you can check it out. Sure. <laughs> All right. My head's exploding. <laughs> Again, I'm not advocating to buy anything. It just makes sense to buy it, to see the ownership on that platform. All right. And Brian Frieselben at type underscore SEO on Twitter said, I shared lower price badge that Google had appeared to be testing a few weeks ago. And this was on shopping. And he says, I'm now seeing a higher price badge on some products. It doesn't appear to be very widespread at the moment. And this is a fireplace that's maybe the most extravagant fireplace I've ever seen. And it's selling for between $760 and $950. And they're saying it's a higher price. Fireplaces are mainly $290. This isn't just a normal fireplace. This is like. That's fancy. It's got like shutoffs and it's like a trough. It's crazy, this fireplace. It's cartoon nice for flames. outside. Yeah, that doesn't look real. Is it cartoon? For sure. Maybe plastic. And there's a light underneath. <laughs> Twinkle. <laughs> but anyway, you might see that if you are priced well above the competition, you might see that there, it is a higher price tag in shopping results. All right, next up, TubeFilter has an article called Shopify's Latest Acquisition Dovetails into Its Ambitions in the Creator Economy. I love the title because Shopify essentially purchased Dovetail. And Dovetail is an influencer marketing campaign company, basically. So Shopify is helping to, again, basically assist those smaller stores or Shopify stores and bring in house more of that influencer marketing. So don't miss that. Not to be confused with DuckTales. For influencers, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yes. And you may hear about that a little bit later. Oh. <laughs> All right. And from Glenn Gabe, at Glenn Gabe on Twitter, BFF of the show, 2019. <laughs> 2019? Yes. <laughs> Took a little while there. Once a BFF, always a BFF. You just BFF Years don't matter. Hearts. Yeah. He said, journeys are in full swing in Chrome now. I'm seeing continue your journey for many queries I'm entering in Chrome's search bar. Takes you to the journeys page where you can view your activity based on that query. How many are using it? I have no idea, but they might be. And Glenn showed an example where he put a search into Google for Wordle. And the examples that came back are... Well, I guess he ended up going to Google Doc, or he ended up going to the Wordle New York Times site. And related to the New York, Wordle Bot New York Times, he got, based on activity related to Wordle, an example that was Wordle Bot, your daily Wordle companion, the New York Times. So it's a way you can see if you research something again and you want more information, you can keep that journey going. And I dig it. I mean, Glenn, if you want to cheat at Wordle, I'm not going to judge you publicly in front of thousands of people. I won't do that. Me, personally, if I Wordled, I wouldn't cheat at Wordle. I wouldn't need the Wordle bot, personally. Glenn Gabe He's not cheating cheat. at Wordle. I'm just saying there's Wordle bot winning here. at life. You see those squares. You know, maybe take it with a grain of salt. But anyway, Journeys, pretty cool. And from The Verge, there's an article called YouTubers are sick of comment spam, so YouTube is testing a stricter moderation system. 
user comments are the absolute woat. So I dig this. Everybody else should be out there that creates videos. From Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land, Google's new highly cited label we talked about a few weeks ago for top stories is now live. I don't see it on desktop. I tried to replicate it. It seems like it's only on mobile, at least for me, but you can see some of those stories that might have been the origin. Again, I didn't see it translate to desktop, but there's some examples there, some pretty horrific examples, honestly, from the video, from the article. All right, and DuckDuckGo is launching a standalone web browser for Mac, and that is in beta. It will be privacy-focused, as we all know about DuckDuckGo. I've used the app on mobile. I don't know if it's going to be similar to that. It's plenty of fine if you've got enough patience for it. Um, but if you want it on a Mac, DuckDuckGo on over to the App Store and check it out. And following up last week's boondoggle of a story, Rand Fishkin has an update, and we talked about it as the take of the week last week. He says, I've been thinking about early Salesforce anti-software messaging. Maybe Spark Toro is that for advertising. Just feels like so much of ad budgets are thrown at sales that would have happened anyway. In reality, it's the organic sources of influence that are truly responsible. I went off on this. I think I did seven minutes <laughs> through a migraine last week. But Amanda Navidad, who is the VP of marketing over at SparkToro, went back and seemed to disagree with Rand, saying, hmm, maybe. I think I worry it may be confusing because some of our customers do use SparkToro to get better ROI from the ad dollars through finding newsletters or pods to sponsor, finding lookalike Twitter audiences, et cetera. And that was the whole point last week. Take everything, use what works for you. There's nuance in everything. Nothing is perfect. And from Christina in our Discord channel, who I just, I want to meet Christina. She seems like she really knows what she's, we, we need yeah. to have on a, do you think she'd come on a marketing talk? That would be my dream. Mine too. But she found a new billing summary page update for Google Analytics. And it is, um, it has summary transactions. It's, Whatever. There's just new billing in Google Analytics. You can check it out. Community.marketingclock.com. And you can say hi to Christina. And also from Christina, which I missed a few weeks back, the United States and the EU have committed to, or the European Commission, have committed to a new transatlantic data privacy framework, which will foster transatlantic data flows and address the concerns raised by the Court of Justice by the EU when it struck down in 2020 the Commission's adequacy decision underlying the EU-US Privacy Shield Framework. Oh, so hopefully it stops some of the GDPR nonsense. All right, skipping some stories out of here. Um, Google has a new AI-first approach in its maps and in its My Business, which is now business. Google profiles? Business profile. Profiles. So they said, with this new AI-first approach, we're on track to update the hours for over 20 million businesses around the globe in the next six months using AI. No. Helping you know when helping you know exactly when your favorite store, restaurant, or cafe is open for business. No. So it's machine learning. No. They're gonna go through and they're gonna update 20 million businesses over the next six months. No. Machine learning and AI is great, Jess. How are they gonna know that my grampy decided to close the hot dog stand? early because he's just mad nobody would know because if you put in your special hours without like a week's notice google's not going to approve it anyway this is terrible you're against ai in the use of ai on ai a website? am 
Human think beings about run small AI businesses. can help websites. AI can make things better. AI can spend $1,000 in an hour and increase ad revenue for Google, too. Mm-hmm. This doesn't... Even the... Mm-mm, mm-mm. Everything is broken with Google Business Profiles. You're against This AI. will not fix it. Google is saying they're using AI. And, to be fair, they are going to input, collect input from the business owner, a human being, using a phone in their duplex automated robot system. So that's AI too. And they're going to help make things better. AI is Google's friend. AI is our friend, Jess. AI is not AI our friend. AI is our friend. You're going to have a robot call me and you think I'm going to give it accurate information? Jess, you're wrong. AI should be everywhere. And Google knows that. And Google is leading the charge. AI we- are two words in pain. Two letters yeah. in pain. This is a great soundbite. AI is the future. It's the future of Google, Jess. How dare you? AI are two letters in anti. They're just not together. How dare you? No. How dare you? This Cut is mind. not okay. Cut her mind. Not okay. Don't talk about not AI against okay. Google. Google's for AI. Not okay. Next story from Search Engine <laughs> Journal. Google says AI-generated content is against Google's guidelines. Ah! That's where you were going with this? Yes. I was just mad at you. <laughs> They've said this for years, but they reiterated it. And John Mueller said, for us, these, and talking about AI, for us, these would, if content was generated by AI, essentially still fall into the category of automatically generated content, which is something we've had in the Webmaster Guidelines since the beginning. And people have been automatically generating content in lots of different ways. And for us, if you're using machine learning tools to generate your content, it's essentially the same as if you're stuffing, shuffling words around or looking up synonyms or doing the translation tricks that people used to do, those kinds of things. My suspicion is maybe the quality of content is a little bit better than the really old school tools. But for us, it's still automatically generated content. And that means for us, it's still against the Webmaster Guidelines. So we'd consider that spam. Wow. Craig, AI Take a or deep two breath. letters and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he went on to say, there was a question like, hey, you're, could you actually figure out what AI is? And John Mueller said, I can't claim that. But for us, if we see something that is automatically generated, then Web Spam team can definitely take action on that. We saw it with buying guides where they took clicks away from somebody that actually created baseball bat buying guides and buying helpful content or helpful content for buying baseball bats and put in their AI cricket information. And they're doing this for all these different local businesses, but you can't do that. Unhecking believable. That is so crazy. I just chugged my water. I'm so upset. That was water. Not water. <laughs> That's insane. Those two stories came out in the same week. Oh, yeah. We've got more, too. People don't talk to each <laughs> other. We've always said this about Google. This is so stupid. Do as I say, not as I do. There's nothing better than this specifically. You are going to use your artificial intelligence to fake call human beings, waste their time, but they can't go and take a bunch of reviews and somehow use some machine learning to, to, to consolidate that. So just know that. They might have luck calling my Grampy, though, because he does use the phone to check the weather. I don't even know how that works. What? So, yeah, he calls the weather to see like how it's going to affect business that day because we're a seasonal business on the beach. He calls the weather hotline every day. That's very To sweet. get the forecast. So he might respond to Google about the hours. I can't, I, I, 
Anyway. My head hurts. That's <laughs> so it. Sad. Keeping it here with automatically generated content. Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable has a post saying there's an update to their automatically generated content. It was found by Kenichi Suzuki. And he says, so automatically generated content isn't always a violation of the guidelines. They changed the webmaster or whatever it's called now, the web purveyor notes. It used to say that things against the guidelines were automatically generated content. They added in to say it's now automatically generated content intended to manipulate search rankings. So maybe that's a step in the right direction. This came out after John spoke, or at least after Matt G. Southern covered it over on Search Engine Journal. And we'll keep it here. AI-wise, OpenAI's new image generator is sparking both excitement and fear. I don't know who was excited about this. I was very fearful. It's called Dal E2, and it adds enhanced textual comprehensions, faster images, faster image generation, and four times greater resolution. There's an example here from Adida Ramesh, and it seems like he had put in the term animal helicopter chimeras, which I guess is a rodent. Shep, do you know anything about this? Jess? A chimera is something with wings, isn't it? Cease and desist. Anyway, it turned out to turn these like cat-looking things into helicopters. But that wasn't the most frightful <laughs> thing. I saw an Instagram from OpenAI Dolly. Somebody put in to the, the image generator, a bowl of soup that looks like a monster knitted out of wool, made of plasticine, and spray-painted on a wall. And this thing that this AI generated is nightmare fuel. It tr- it's it's a something spider. in Jess Bud's Instagram feed. It's a spider it that your grandma knitted you horrific. and make soup out of. But just whatever you do, don't put this on your website if you're trying to rank. And that's it for Organic. What's happening, Social Bud? I don't know. I'm t- <laughs> traumatized. Oh, my okay. God. <sighs> <clears throat> Strap in because things are getting better from here. You might remember last week we reported that Elon Musk was going to be joining the Bird's board per the Twitter CEO. But now, according to The Verge, and a quote from their CEO, we announced on Tuesday that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. Elon's appointment to the board was to become officially effective April 9th, but Elon shared that same day that he will no longer be joining the board. I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders, whether they are on the board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder, and we will remain open to his input. <laughs> Background check? You just have to Google him. He's in, like, court in Fairfax County where I grew up. Kids. Background <laughs> check? Kids. <laughs> you don't even need to background check him. If you care about his input, let's read some recent tweets. Would you like to? Yes. Okay. From at Elon Musk on April 9th, mind you. Most of these top, in quotes, accounts tweet rarely and post very little content. Is Twitter dying? Shared a screenshot or retweeted from World of Statistics, the top 10 most followed Twitter accounts. One of them is Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. Honestly, why are you sorry? Oh, she's a talent. She hasn't hack. posted anything in three months, and Elon's coming for her. Wait, you called her talentless hack? How you dare you? Did. Oh, was that off mic? You were telling you me before about? the I show would, how she's not talented. Never, I would never do and that. And I don't have taste. I would never say that okay. about you or okay. her. Okay. How dare you? That's why you're recommending everyone watch your dumb show except for me. 
You watched it and didn't like it. Anyway. I didn't say no, I, I agree to his point. These accounts aren't using Twitter. That's a problem. And then you look at it as well. Like Parag doesn't use Twitter. That's weird. Imagine if I didn't digital market. Like that would be super weird. It's yeah. like somebody like trying to run things. I'm like, oh, I'm head of digital marketing, but I don't do this. And Parag doesn't use it. At least Elon uses Twitter and uses it well and gets a ton of engagement and people love him or hate him. Like he's at least out there on it. And Jack Dorsey did too. He, Jack is very, you know, active on Twitter. And that just makes you think, it makes you think like, why are you the CEO and you don't use your product? That's really weird. He tweeted twice since he came on, before Elon came on the board. That's really yeah. weird. That's yeah, so he tweeted strange. to announce that he was joining the board. And, and that was retracting. There's like one tweet in between the Elon news. You want to hear some more of Elon's input, though? Okay. Convert Twitter SFHQ to homeless shelter since no one shows up anyway. It was a Twitter <gasps> poll. He deleted that tweet, by the Oh, way. yes, yes. But we have a screenshot. We have the receipts. That's a nice thought, though. <laughs> This is input from someone you that's should. not on the board. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on the board. He he's not saying burn it down. No, but he is saying that 69.420% of statistics are false. <laughs> Which, like, like maybe Elon we're 12, Musk. but that's really funny. <laughs> How old is he? How old is Elon Musk? Over wow. under. I'm going to the over under right now. Oh, I'm. He's kinda, 50. He's got to I want to say this. I'm pretty good at ages. 50, You're five, pretty good at ages. <laughs> 55 and a half. Under, barely. Yeah, I'm going to say 53. Because my girl Grimes. Oh, I was way old. 50. 50, that's what I said. I said exactly okay. 50. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> I just, anyway, it's all very, very weird. Whatever. He's also apparently, according to Yahoo News, he being Elon, um, hit by a class action lawsuit just days after disclosing that he had become Twitter's largest individual shareholder. Filings last week show that he had built a 9.2 stake in Twitter, valued at almost $3 billion. In accordance with U.S. law, investors are required to notify the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission within 10 days if they acquire more than 5% stake. Yeah, it seemed like he just didn't disclose it. He just didn't disclose something. Yeah, yeah which, but I guess this was, they said, what, the 14th of March? It's been Whatever. like a month now? He didn't tweet anything else? Like removing the W from Twitter? Oh! <gasps> He was did? that one of the? Did you he sent me a bunch like, of links, and they were all deleted. And <laughs> I only have the screenshots that you somehow found. Factual. Is that a thing? When did he tweet that? It's in On the ninth. He's like pretty funny. <laughs> it's in Slack. I missed it. I suck. I'm sorry, everybody. That is amazing. <laughs> AI couldn't do that. Google. <gasps> okay. All right. <laughs> Meanwhile. From Business Insider, Meta Meta is working on virtual coins for its apps that employees have nicknamed Zuckbucks. So Zuckbucks? Zuckbucks. <laughs> it's cute. Rhymes. No one cares. Just call them Zucks. Just, it's not money. Well, it's virtual money. So am I. All right. <laughs> but. <laughs> Isn't that how NFTs work? You could just be virtual currency? No. <laughs> doesn't matter i don't understand i don't understand anything but i think the youth is beginning to understand ladies and gentlemen there is hope for gen z 
from Fast Company, if the metaverse is the future of social media, teens are not convinced. And that makes me so happy. There were 7,100 teens surveyed by this financial firm and basically the Gen Zers, <laughs> a lot of them said they were unsure or had zero intention of purchasing a device to access the metaverse. I think because they still associate it with Facebook no matter how hard Zuckbuck is trying and like their parents are on Facebook. So kids just don't care. It's fine. I also watched, again, um, Idiocracy, per your recommendation. Oh. Th- that was my exact idea. It was a, a recliner with a toilet in it. Like that's what they, that's what we need here for virtual reality. The recliner with a toilet. Yeah. Shep wants one for her desk to go with her dishwasher. No, I don't. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Big news week for accessibility and inclusiveness from Twitter accessibility. They said, as promised, the alt badge and exposed image descriptions go global today. This is not today, but that's what their tweet said. Over the past month, they have fixed bugs and gathered feedback from the limited release group. They're ready. You're ready. Let's describe our images. I'm paraphrasing a tweet there from them. Um, If you want to use this feature and it's confusing to you, Mashable has an article on exactly how to use it. So go there if you need help. So I saw it live. Josh, you're looking at this. It's a picture of a dog. It's a we we rate dogs. I saw the alt pop up. And this is the alt that they had of the dog. Black and white border collie looking up at you. Their eyes are wide and their mouth is shut. You can see a little bit of their bottom lip, which makes them look like they're waiting for you to believe in yourself. That's really nice. It's really nice. Craig, you need this because you need some self-love inspiration. I feel like this was catered directly to you. It's not possible. Next one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. From social media today, the YouTube chief product officer, Neil Mohan, has announced that creators can more easily outsource the creation and editing of subtitles on their clips within the YouTube studio app. So that's really great. Also, TikTok is switching English language auto captions on by default for all uploads. Also great. Good things are happening. And Snapchat has a new lens that is able to recognize American sign language gestures and translate them in the app. That'll be so great for my daughter. She is a sign language whiz. Is she? She yes. might like this kid is she really cute. More this young man and in the all picture. All done. Genius. Keep her off Snapchat. <laughs> what is that? I think that's a bad word. Oh, is it? You're going to have to bleep your hand. Somebody always does that. Oh. Oh, I know that? little kids that do that. Like, no. Oh, no, this is more. Oh, sorry. That's that sorry. looks like the thing on Friends. Like, the I show? know what that is. Oh, Monica. I recently saw an episode of Friends. Was Actually, okay. I don't think it's real sign language. They didn't want to do the middle finger around their parents, so they, like, made up a new sign for the same thing. Adults? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. like Friends. No, you'd hate it. No, because I love the middle finger. <laughs> My favorite gesture. <sighs> From Twitter safety, at Twitter safety on Twitter. <laughs> How do you say don't at me without saying don't at me? We're experimenting with unmentioning, a way to help you protect your peace and remove yourself from conversations available on the web for some of you now. I would like to remove myself from this conversation, one that I never asked to be a part of. I just... I, they're so vague when they say things are rolling out. They're, it's either all iOS or it's just for some of you, you may see this. It's just a great way to not commit to anything. Okay. Tales from social media, Reddit. Can I steal that from you? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> oh, you're on there? <laughs> Love Reddit. 
Should I create a TikTok business account or stick to a personal account or creator account? I have been doing digital for 10 years, but completely new to TikTok and its functionality. Me too. I'm wondering which account I should do. For context, I have a small PPC agency and will be doing my own videos. So there's a lot of comments here you can read through, um, but Basically, the personal pro sounds like a good middle ground. If you do a business account, you can't use trending songs, which everybody knows that audio is a huge part of TikTok, so something to consider. Um, Personal pro also lets you get some analytics on your videos, but if you want to run ads, you might have to have a business account. So if you're considering TikTok as a business, it's just a good thread to read through. It's actually not that long. I think there's like eight or nine comments, but pros and cons of each account type. And that answer came from Little Miss Sublime. I like that name too. Very good. All right. Similarly, if you find yourself asking, does a Twitter professional account add value for brands? There's a great breakdown from MarTech about just what you get with a professional account. And the TLDR is literally meh. They use the word meh. And the account converting is free, but whether the juice is worth the squeeze remains to be seen. To borrow from the SEO community, really, it depends. It depends if this will help you. We'll have a link in our show notes you can read through and decide for yourself. Yep, and that's Different things work for different people. Danny Goodwin, great write-up. Thank you very much, Danny. All right, sticking with Twitter from The Verge, Twitter has reverted the change that left blank spaces in place of deleted embedded tweets. They're exploring different options. And speaking of, Different options. Last up here from Vice. Be Real is the anti-Instagram social media app that's designed to show people's lives as they really are by encouraging users to post during random two-minute time increments during the day. It's an interesting experiment and a fun app. That's a quote. I did not have enough time to download this, but I think I actually might forget TikTok, forget all the things people are using. This is incredible. I dig this. It's so cool. It's stupid. I love it. But it's like, here's my face, here's my dog on my couch. (laughs) And like, it's funny and it's great to make fun of, but this app is apparently topping the charts and the app stores, people are ready for something different. If you have a good idea, now might be the time. All platforms are starting to look the same. People are having fun with this, even if it's kind of a joke. Like, All right, I'm going to go sign up for Be Real. You can watch me watching Tim Robinson's show. (laughs) Let's be real. Look at the patterns. That's amazing content. Yes. I love it. If you have a good idea, it's time to put it out there because we're all sick of the same old thing. All right. Now to our segment segments here. First up, we have hashtag vote Chris and power listener of the show. Chris This wasn't a political show. This is a political show. When it comes to power listeners, we support you regardless. Stand. We stand. And Chris Ridley is up for, he's shortlisted for the Prolific North's Outstanding Contributor to the North 2020 Award. You can get there by going to prolificnorthawards.co.uk. Please go vote for Chris. We need him to top the charts there. And congratulations, Anu, on your 200th episode of the PPC Chat Roundup. You are phenomenal, and we love you. Big congrats. Excited for the next 200, and the next 200, and the next 200 after that. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I don't know if this is, if, if you've experienced this, you'll understand what I'm saying. I was trying to 
audit negative keyword list in an account yesterday. It was a new account that we're taking over. And to go back and forth when you're in a list and you try to go back, it puts you back at like the all campaigns view instead of seeing all the lists. It is so irritating. Flames on the side of my face. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, bud. (laughs) And hello. I have a tip that'll be useful for another year or so. Um, If you're still using Universal Analytics, as I know many folks are, hot tip. You can share goal configuration for multiple goals at the same time and just you check all the boxes next to the goals you want to share and it creates a share link and then all you do is paste that in the browser and select this is useful for obviously the same site right the same property but applying the same goals to multiple views views aren't a thing in ga4 yet but hopefully they'll carry this feature over because i found it very very handy when updating goals last week so for another year it's out there Nice. And I'd say something working hard. <clears throat> I don't recommend it for everybody, but we had one sales call. We have room for one more client currently. And we were talking to this company that was really pretty impressive. And I said, I'll, I'll look at your Google Ads account right now live, knowing that like we know what we're doing here. Pulled it up. Nailed it. It was like just fundamental. It was like perfection. I was like, all right, well, well I don't know what this is. Your display is way high. The CPA is lower, but I think you messed up your re, your, retar- your retargeting campaigns. That was it. I'm like, oh, this is nothing's converting. You you must be broad match here. Um, that was working hard, but there are so many agencies out there that say they do what a lot of the people listening right now actually do, and they don't. So if you're listening to this and you have imposter syndrome or whatever, like you are great. There are so many people out there that stink at what they do. They just are louder than anybody else. I hear about that with like being a mom. It's like if you're worried about being a good parent, you are one. If you're worried about being a good marketer, you probably are are one. Yeah, 100%. And he's like, well, you know, like how do you know about it? And it's like, look, I don't sleep when there's a problem. (laughs) Like if you care more about the account than I do, that's, that's, you know, like a first. So anyway, I don't know if that's hardly working or working hard, but it's what it is. That's all you got for me this week. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is TikTok's top ads explorer, so you can do more. It's essentially a filterable library of top performing ads on the platform and smart marketers looking for inspiration can view killer creative based on region, industry, campaign objective, and more. Big thanks to Lawrence Chassis for the heads up on this. We will have the link in our newsletter as well as on Discord. So pick your poison and check it out. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right. And this week's must read marketing article of the week was alerted to us by Chris Ridley across the pond, but it came from the Twitter user Erexoa, E-R-R-I-O-X-A, Linu Anurella. And they compiled all of the slides from Brighton SEO into one location. So it's not really an article. It's just you should read this. If you missed out on Brighton SEO, which concluded last week, you can at least relive these slides. So thank you, Lewis. And Jess, 
do we have a furry fun fact? Oh, we sure do. Back by popular demand, <laughs> we have learning vermin here. Shep, did you know? <laughs> Why are they always going to be about rats? <laughs> it's vermin in general. It's vermin. Not rats. But rats in particular, my fact here today. Of course. They're vulnerable to peer pressure. So maybe all you got to do is offer them a cigarette outside your home. <laughs> and they'll leave. <laughs> and that concludes this week's Learning Vermin. Thank you for that. And on to our playlist of curated songs to work to. You can head over to playlist.marketingaclock.com to hear Marketing a Playlist. Greg, what is your song this week? I don't know how I found this, but there's an artist called Paul Cawthon. And there's a song out there called Big Velvet. I listen to it. I don't know what I listen to when I listen to this thing. It's funky. It's country. It's Johnny Cashy. It is. Like I would like it, but you think I have bad taste. Uh, oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. It might it's be a little really dark good. for you. It's really good. I don't, don't want to like what you like. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Big Velvet by Paul Coffin. Okay. I, oh, what were you going to say? No, I think I like country now. That kind of country. Well, like country, yeah. not pop. Nobody not wants like you over Taylor here. Taylor Swift country. No, okay. I'm with him. I haven't heard this song, but I've heard other songs by the artist that he sent me yesterday. Good stuff. Well, I, because I have good taste, have been on a Britney Spears kick, so I'm going <laughs> to add another one to the list. It's Oops, I Did Again by Ms. Britney Spears. Mazel tov on the pregnancy. Jess Bud. This one, I promise, is far more uplifting than it sounds. It's a song called Death. By White Lies. Are you kidding? Jess, that's just so on brand. You just never. You're going to love it, though. You never disappoint. It's so good. All right. That does it for today's show. <laughs> it's now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. And today, back by popular demand, we will be playing some people's favorite game. It's called Two Kinds of People, where we give two alternatives. You're on one side... Or you're on the other. There's no in-between, but somehow there always manages to be an in-between. There's never an in-between. <laughs> it's two kinds it's of two people. two kinds of people. It's binary. Okay, so the three of us, me, Greg, and Jess, have something to offer today, right? Okay, so. and Killer will just be casting her vote. Greg, what are your two types of people? There's two types of people. One person that does one portion of a task and then pretends that the entire task is finished or somebody that has to get everything done to actually consider it done. Two kinds of people. I would one say I task. lean towards the better one. What's the better one? There's two kinds of people. Like to just do everything. Are you talking about household chores or yes. work? Okay, yes. yes. Okay, then 100% I have to get everything done. Okay. Like I clean my bedroom. I got to sweep the floors. I got to dust. I got to wash the sheets. I do it all. I know somebody fairly close to me that... We'll just do a part of something and be like, I clean. It's like, <laughs> what? Where? Sometimes that's like a, the better type of person to be. What about you, Jess? I tend to be more of like the do everything. Like when I clean the bathroom, it's the full sweep like you just said. But if there's like baskets of laundry, I'm okay with getting a whole basket done and leaving the rest. For but like do you consider time. that completed? I do because it's a basket. So I didn't like do the laundry, but I folded some. Okay. Killer? Maybe that's a third kind of person. 
Definitely just get everything done at once. Okay. All right. And me too. I, I think just, everyone's do, married to the other one, I would say. Yeah, I think you have to be or it's not going to work. <laughs> okay. Do you guys say sherbet or sherbet? Oh, that's so good. Sherbet. Same. Yeah, Jess. Sherbet. Sherbet. These people who say sherbet, it's like, can you relax? And then apparently it is spelled that way, but I'm sorry. The world is just wrong. Like if you say sherbet. Who says sherbet? Go I mean, directly to jail. Like, do not pass go. <laughs> I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. And then those people, like, think they're smarter than you. It's like, no, you're just annoying. Okay, Jess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two kinds of people. People that lay out their outfit the night before and people that choose chaos in the morning. Chaos. I'm not in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> No. So you're not, well prepared and you're laying out your clothes. Most of the time me? I'm making the laundry man go into the basement <laughs> to get the clean laundry in the morning. No, I do not lay out my outfit. No, I do. Really? Yeah. Because wow. I'm stressed out. And it's not like I plan. Like it's all black. To be fair, you don't really sleep. So That too. So when I like do finally fall asleep, I don't want to wake up early and <laughs> match black to black. And where do you lay it? On a chair? On my dresser. I just like to have like the pants, the shirt, the underwear, the bra, like put the things. Oh my, that even is the thorough. socks. I'm just picking out socks because it's like just I want to put it on in the morning and be done. That's How much nice. time did it take to pick out this outfit here? 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like it's not even like it's a thing. I just don't want to think about it in the morning. I want to shower, put on my robe. Yeah. Killer. Get dressed. I definitely, well, sometimes it's like either. I could go either way, but mainly like picking it out in the morning. And then I, then I'm late. <laughs> I'm late and I do it ahead of time. For me, I, I tried for a little bit. I had this thing that went over your door and it, like you could put pants and stuff. And, and it's like, I just can't do that. But my problem is it's always like super dark and I can't turn like lights on or I'll wake my wife up. So I'll get an outfit, I'll put it on and like go out to like the bathroom where there's light and I'm like, what did I do? And I'm like, what is this? And I come back inside and I'm like, this is way too wrinkly. I didn't even see this or something. And then she always, it's like ends up being like a net negative because I go back in so many times because I look like just so ridiculous. So you're yeah. like making noise, but you didn't yeah. turn the lights on. You should, you could solve this by planning ahead the night I never before. do. I just don't wear things that need to be ironed. My I wife goes to bed so do. early though. Oh, she so goes so early. Like night I night. still couldn't use the light. That's my problem. You okay. headlamp for your closet. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next one? Okay. My next one. There are two kinds of people. People that use and enjoy physical cash and people that are afraid oh, of it. Oh, I'm afraid of it. Like not even people now, you give them cash and they're, they they are scared of physical it's cash. It's dirty. It drives me crazy that you can't fold it right in your wallet. I mean, you don't even have to worry about your wallet being stolen these days because you there's nothing in there. You just cancel the credit card and it's done. Okay. Jess? I love cash. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the coins don't even fit in a wallet. Oh, forget coins. That's stupid. Coins, yeah. But then you just keep throwing that change away. It's just, it's so much easier to spend when it doesn't look like anything. If I have to hand you a $20 bill or heaven forbid, a $100 bill for my groceries, I feel that sting. I like that. Like, all right, here's my money for my food. Credit card's too easy. You just waste money that way. I love cash. Killer. Killer. You are- I love cash. You love yes! cash. What? Wow. <laughs> Because it's not like you're actually spending money. It's just cash. It's, yeah. You don't see it coming out of your It doesn't show it. up in the numbies. It's like a <laughs> sensory like, thing, too. Like, the paper it's made of is so, like, gross and, like, soft. 
You guys both like cash, but for like different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I like it because it's not real. You're like, I like it because it's so real. (laughs) (laughs) Two kinds of people. Okay. Do you Mm -hmm. find that your friends generally like cash or not? I feel like the younger demographics typically don't like cash. Um, I feel like they can go both ways, but probably more on the they don't like cash. But do you go to a bank and like cash your paycheck? No, right? You don't know. So that's no. you're like me, like you only ever get cash as a gift. So it's usually right. like free money from Grampy. Right. True. Yeah. That makes a difference. And I love cash. Yeah. Of course. I, would do every, I love the smell of cash. I love <laughs> no. the dirtiness of cash. No. I love every single thing about it. If it were me, I'd be Scrooge McDuck just swimming in it. Give me the cash. Love it. <laughs> Do you, are you a fan of like the, you're using your debit card and it's like cash back? Like, yeah, give me 20 bucks. Cash no, register. but I should do that. That's it's a great fun. idea. It's fun. I always like having a little cash on you. Yeah. Okay. My next one is going to be, if you're watching, you already know the answer, but there are people who with a laptop, they like tote a mouse around all day. <laughs> and then there are people who use the touchpad on the laptop. Greg, what's I'm, your, I have things to do. I already feel <laughs> a little bit constrained without two monitors. So I need a mouse. I I need a mouse. I put our show notes together, pulled the mouse out, put it up on a table, and I got everything done before my battery died and didn't bring... So I I need a mouse. But there's a part of this that you're leaving out, which is that you take other people's mouses. Mice? Mice. I will like... I will have a, a mouse for a couple of weeks, then I lose it. And I've realized that I always lose it when I have to bring it to the printing computer, plug it in. I forget I plug it in. And then I'll see you be like, does anyone have a mouse? And you walk straight to the printing computer. <gasps> I do take no, the And then you take it. I think you've mm. taken two of my mice. But my new one is Rainbow Disco, so you're not going to get away with it this okay. time. Well, you'll be able to tell. Yeah. This, but I, I use cordless. I lean towards not using a mouse. I'm yeah. just so much more productive. Are you as productive without a mouse? No, but when I'm on my laptop, it's like late night and I'm on the couch and I'm just in a different space. I'm like doing different tasks. Clearly. So I typically don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with Shep. I have a cordless mouse and I leave my little thing plugged in at all times, but it's for when I'm home hooked up to my second monitor, like pretending I'm on a real yeah. computer. If it's laptop time, it's laptop time. I also have a touch screen that is underutilized. I always forget. Yeah. Killer. I have a Bluetooth mouse, so when I go home or whatever and I'm on my computer, I'll use the mouse, but then like I'll forget that it's there and just use the touchpad. Oh, it's so much slower. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes that scrapey sound like you're not carrying around a mouse pad. Did you ever use those think pads or whatever? We had that little red thing and you that little you know, you oh, right in the middle of the computer. Yeah. And you'd on have to, the track. Yeah. That had a terrible yeah. time. I it those. felt nice. It had the little bumps on it. Yep. No. And you could like, yeah, shoot around. Yeah, I did that. That was good. I'd use those. Yeah. No. Jess, do you have one more? I do. People, when they burp, sometimes you're alone. People that say excuse me out loud and people that when just let alone? it go. When you're alone? Yeah. No. <laughs> you oh. say excuse me after a burp when you're alone? I do. In your own house? Yeah, or my car or wherever I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. You don't do that. It's just like force of habit. No. Never no. once in my life. <laughs> you, you say, oops, so you still acknowledge it out loud for the force I like don't do it at home at all. Like I have to try to remember to like say it in front of the baby. I thought you were going to say you don't do it at all because like ladies don't. Burp. Oh, of course that but, too. Yeah. <laughs> Killer. I never say excuse me. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> Greg. No, I, I don't. 
if I'm why nobody would you around, do it alone? why would I talk to myself? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, I know I was doing it. Like, it didn't come out of nowhere where it's like, oh, hey, excuse me for, like, surprising myself. It doesn't work that way. Like, I know what's happening. I know what I did. Like, I don't need to let myself, like, give myself a heads up. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, excuse us, and we'll see you next week.